Praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. Welcome, 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 everyone, for coming out tonight for our Wednesday night Bible study. And we also like to welcome those online. Also, at this time, anyone that has any prior requests, we just want everyone to stand. If you have a prior request, you can raise your hands. And those that are online, uh, you can send your prior request in to the media team. So we're going to pray. We're going to pray for God to have his way tonight in our Bible study and for us to be on one accord and one mind. So let us pray. Father God, Jesus, in your precious name, we come in your presence, God, another night, oh dear God. Father God, Jesus, we ask you to touch us. Touch us, oh dear God, Jesus. Let your will be done tonight, oh dear God. Father God, Jesus, we give you honor and praise tonight, oh dear God. There is none like you, O oh Father God, Jesus. Oh God, Jesus, have your way in this Bible study tonight, O oh dear God. Oh Father God, Jesus, anoint, O oh God, Jesus, the man of God tonight, O oh dear God. As you bring forth the word tonight, O oh dear God. Open up our hearts and our mind, O oh Father God, Jesus, to receive your word, O oh dear God. Father God, Jesus, we thank you for this day. Father God, Jesus, there's someone that didn't open their eyes this morning. But God, we're giving you thanks, glory, and honor, oh dear God, Jesus. Oh, Father God, we magnify your holy name this morning, oh dear God. Oh, God, Jesus, strengthen us, oh dear God. Oh, Father God, Jesus, only you alone are worthy. Oh, God, Jesus, we bless your holy name, oh dear God, because there is none like you. Oh, Father God, Jesus, have your way, God, Jesus. We thank you, and we give you the praise, and we give you all the glory, because there is none like you, Jesus. In your precious name, oh dear God, amen. Worship him in spirit and in truth. We want you to worship with us tonight. Hallelujah.
church. Let's give him the glory. Let's give the Lord the glory he deserves. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless your name. We praise your name. We give you honor in this place. Oh God, there is none like you. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Blessed be your holy name. Will somebody bless the name of Jesus with me here tonight? He deserves the glory. He deserves the praise. For he's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He is the Lord God. And he's the King, eternally mortal. Oh God, we bless your name. We praise you, oh great God. For there is none like you. You are the lifter up of our heads. You are our everything, Lord God. The very breath in our lungs, oh God, is kept by you. And we're thankful. We're grateful. And we bless your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Will somebody give the Lord some praise in this house? He's worthy of it all. He's worthy of all my praise. He's worthy. He's worthy of me clapping my hands, of me lifting my voice, of me giving him the praise. He's worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. Oh, great God Almighty, Jesus, we worship you, we adore you, we love you, we thank you, oh God, for all your goodness, for all your kindness, your mercy, your grace, your love. We thank you, Lord, for healing, for strength, oh God, for keeping us in our right mind, oh great God. There is none like you, there is none like you, and we praise your name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Will somebody clap their hands onto the Lord with me tonight and open up your mouth and just give him a praise? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You're worthy of it all, Jesus. You're worthy of it all, Jesus. We thank you, we thank you. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. What a great atmosphere we have in here tonight. We thank the Lord for his goodness and his mercy. We're only here because of the goodness and the mercy of God. Nothing that we did special that we deserve to be here is only because of God's goodness and mercy. Because God created us and he set the rules in order, the laws in order that we are supposed to follow. And from day number one, we broke them. <laughs> from day number one we broke the laws of God and he could have just did away with us and start over brand new let's get rid of these people and start over brand new and get some people that's going to obey me and he could have just kept wiping people off until he finally gets some people who were perfect but he didn't do that he says I'll make a way out of nowhere I'll be merciful I'll be gracious I'll be kind and he's been that since he brought us into existence. And there's not enough praise that we can give him to thank him. There's not enough worship we can do to praise him, to appreciate him. But we need to do it every chance we get. Hallelujah. Don't forget this Friday we're doing a cancer awareness seminar, 730 right here 
in the sanctuary. We have a gentleman from the Rutgers Cancer Institute that's going to be here. So come and be a part of it, especially men. I don't think it's just men that can come. I think everybody is invited, but men especially, because we had a men's meeting scheduled for that day. And uh, we just kind of said, let's just focus on the cancer business. And so we, we made sure that had precedent. Also, we had uh, praise and worship rehearsal, which we have on Fridays every night, um, every Friday night. And so we are not having that this Friday. And so we're doing it. So if you can come out and be with us, that would be wonderful. And we look forward to what uh, the Lord will tell us in every facet of cancer awareness. God can use anybody. It doesn't have to be a preacher. Ah, here we go. He has medical professions that are medical professionals that he uh, will work through and tell us what we need to know, and we just need to go with it, you know, unless you just want to get sick and hope for a miracle. But sometimes we can, you know, prevent things, and uh, God has given us medical professionals to help us to prevent things or tell us how we can take care of things uh, with the knowledge that he has given man. So come this Friday at 730 and also, um, this Saturday, uh, we're doing our prayer walk. We're meeting at the Hamilton Municipal Building at uh, Greenwood Avenue. I believe it's 2100 Greenwood Avenue. And we are going to meet there. We're going to walk throughout Hamilton, and we're going to pray for God's will to be done. We want to see our community saved. Anybody want to see the community saved? God didn't just put us here just for us, for ourselves. And I want you to pray for me, not pray for me, pray with me about we want God to save these people that come for business around here. Before They're not going to be here forever. And because they're not going to be here forever, we need to save them before their time is up. So we need to make sure we're praying and asking God to show us and use us how we can be a blessing to them so they can know salvation and be saved. That is very important. So... Come out, we're going to walk, and we're going to pray. Um, give yourself a couple hours um, for Saturday. We'll meet at 9.30. Um, I would think that we will be all done by uh, 11.30 um, at the most. And so come out and support that. If you can't walk for whatever reason, everybody's not always in the best of shape, we don't mind you coming to the church building at 9.30. So make sure the church building is open, and you can pray in the sanctuary as some are walking and praying, you can come here and you can pray here. So if you are worried about walking, I understand because everybody has different challenges. Uh, but if you can come into this house and you can pray and wait till the group get back, get done praying, that would be good. Or for someone to just alert you that we are through in praying, that would be good. We will be on one accord and we will be praying for God's will to be done in this township, all around this township. Amen. Hallelujah. We are going to do something different tonight, and um, I just feel strongly about this, that it's something that we need to hear, and uh, whatever it takes to get us to where God wants us to go. You may be seated. Um, I'm looking forward to what God will speak to us tonight. Uh, welcome all of you to our midweek um, service. Amen. Maybe that's the best way to go, Ethan, midweek, because it really is midweek. And so we don't have to worry about Wednesday or Thursday. We can just say midweek, and then we don't have to worry about it anymore. That's what we advertise anyway, midweek service. Uh, we didn't say Wednesday night Bible study. So midweek service, it works. Amen. 
I'm going to talk to you tonight a little bit on this topic. Change is possible. I'm going to get into a lot of different things. I've read and researched studies about change. And so it's something that I'm always interested in. Change is a subject that I'm always interested in because we talk about it a lot, but we don't see it a lot. Um, You know, we like to say people are set in their ways, can't teach an old dog new tricks. All of these things that we have, these slogans we come up with, and I don't agree with them. Um, I think there's other reasons why uh, we're not experiencing change. So I'm going to talk a little bit about change tonight. I'm going to hopefully talk about some practical things, but I'm going to back it up with scripture. Obviously, uh, we're just not going to talk about, you know, change without making sure we see it in the word of God. But I think it's something that we need to all embrace. We all need to confront and see where it takes us because change is necessary for all of us. Nobody is where they will be uh, finally or eternally, um, and I hope nobody is where they think they need to be. Uh, I, I would hope that all of us here tonight feel like, you know, I can be further along than I am right now. I would hope that as Christians we would be thinking that way, that, you know, I, I could be further along than where I am today if I probably can tweak a little bit here, tweak a little bit there, do, a, do this a little bit different and that a little bit different, and maybe we'll see uh, a different kind of change in our life. So, repeatedly in the scripture, we have seen people resist change. Mm-hmm. They refuse to leave their traditions that they are accustomed to, and guess what? They're not alone. People throughout time have resisted change, and it's no different today, even for Christians. We, as Christians, have resisted change. Uh, Many Christians have got to the place where we feel comfortable where we are and says, you know what, I like where I am, or I don't see anything wrong with what's going on in my life. And so why do people resist change? Why do people resist change? Uh, They resist change because they are content. Ethan posted something today um, along the lines of some things I know I've preached in the past, which is you need to be thankful for where you are and what God has done but you cannot be satisfied because no one really knows where God is taking us. And so to be presumptuous, to think that where you are, you're good to go and, and you're satisfied, I think that's ignorant because we don't know what God is doing and where he's taking us. So we need to be thankful for where we are, but we do not need to be satisfied, which means we are supposed to be seeking God to say, Lord, there got to be more, and there's, there, there's some place you're taking us, and it's not right where we are today. We're thankful for where we are today, but we look forward to where you're taking us. We know at the very least one day heaven will be our home. So we know where we are today is not where we will be forever. We're going to move from this place. We're going to go someplace, and we need to look to the Lord to say, God, Help me to get to where I need to get to and not be content in the place where we are. One of the other reasons why people resist change, they are happy where they are and have grown accustomed to it. They are satisfied. Mm -hmm. 
We resist change because we lack understanding. We resist change because we do not understand the problems or the solutions. We don't understand how the suggested change will work. So you will come to church and you will hear the word of God. I'll minister and, and you will say, Pastor, that sounds right and that sounds good because that's the word of God. But because we don't understand a whole lot of how it's, it, it will work, we decide that, that I need to change, but I don't know how that will all work. And we have a problem with asking questions because we think if we ask questions, we're going to look silly or we're going to look dumb. So we don't ask questions even though we don't fully understand what's being said. And that's a big reason why we don't change. I hope y'all hear me tonight. Because I hope when I'm done, we will have a recipe. We'll have instruction as to how we will move forward and begin to grow even more in our walk as, or as children of God. Uh-huh. We are not willing to pay the price. One of the other reasons why we, we don't, uh, why we resist change. We're not willing to pay the price. We may understand the need to change, but we do not believe it is worth are worthy of the investment of time and trouble. That's a big one. We, we realize that, oh yes, I do need to change. I, I want to see more progress in my life. I want to grow a little bit. But then we really look at it and we say to ourselves, I don't know if, if what I'm trying to accomplish is really worth it for me to invest my time and invest all the trouble that I got to endure in order to change. And so we, uh, we, we analyze the situation and we say it's not worth it. Uh, I, I wish I could get you to understand this about God. I've been saying this because I've been talking about little things. And I wish you could understand this about God. If you will understand the ways of God, you will realize the significance to, to just doing what you know how to do when you're instructed to do it. Because God is a God that don't give you the whole picture all at once. Uh, we talk about faith a lot. Christians uh, must have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I can give you, which I have in many of, of, of occasions, give you the, 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 the meaning, uh, uh, definition of faith. I can tell it to you. But here is what I want you to understand about faith, how it works. Because I've tried it and I've seen it. And here is where a lot of us get stuck. Faith, in a nutshell, works this way. If I will do what I'm supposed to do, I can't see how it will work out. I can't see how things will all come together if I do my part. What little I can contribute, that is insignificant. And how will anything change with this little bit? But what you miss is that's all God wants is that little bit of faith that says, I'm going to do my part and God will make up the difference. And so many of us are stuck because we don't realize that all you need to do is do what you can do and know that God will meet you on the way and make up what you can't do. But what we have done as Christians is we look at the situation and evaluate it and see the distance and says, what's the sense? What's the sense? 
because the distance looks so far apart. You know you cannot make it up, so you tell yourself, what's the sense? That's not faith. That's lacking faith. When faith says, I know on my own, I can't walk to that wall. I might be able to walk about three steps up. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk what I can. I'm going to do what I can because I'm a child of God. And whatever I do that I can, God will make up the rest. And so we have not really demonstrated faith for God to work in our life because we have just looked at the situation. We have, we have assessed the situation and just shut down because we're saying, ain't no way. Ain't no way. Ain't no way. And that's not what God expects from his children. His children should know, those of us that's been under the preaching and teaching of the word of God, those of us that have the Holy Ghost living inside of us, we should know this by now, that if we're serious about God and we're trying to do God's business, we have to stop assessing the situation to make us get understanding of how it's all going to work, of how we're going to complete it. I continue to use this project as an example, but I don't feel like anybody's listening to me. I use this church as the example all the time. The other day, I was looking at the, the sheet that you sent me, Sister Scarlett, of um, the, 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 the pledges. Because we're toward the, coming toward the end of the month, and we end our spiritual campaign, uh, our capital campaign. We ended at the end of this month. So I was looking at the numbers, and I, I said, how in the world did we get there? I wish everybody can see the numbers. And you will ask yourself, how did we get to four tennis court as the owner of that property? All we did was do what we could. And this is how good God is. Some of us didn't do what we could, but God honored. I wish y'all will understand this. Some of us did not do all that we could because some of us, we made pledges that we never kept up with for whatever the reasons are. But God didn't hold that against us because God says there were some that they went over and above. There were some that gave what they didn't have. So I'm going to bless that church because there's some faithful ones. There's some ones that says, I believe God. And they did it. And God says, I'm going to take care of it because there's some that says, I believe God. Because God don't always work because everybody. Everybody's doing right. And that's what's scary because we will see the blessings of God and we will think that, you know what? God is blessing us and you think you're on the right track and you don't realize, no, there's some faithful people that God has to keep his promise with because they're faithful and it ain't got nothing to do with you. You're just sucking up some of the blessings. And God don't have no problem with it. It's just when the real time comes, when they say when the rubber meets the road, you're going to have to give an account. So don't mistake because goodness is flowing. Blessing is flowing that, oh, I'm doing good. No, it's some faithful people that are doing good and God has to keep his word because of the faithful ones. Let me keep it rolling. Why do we resist change? We resist change because we are tradition bound. Our theme song is this, that is the way we've always done it. So we resist change because in our mind, that is the way we've always done it. And can I tell you this, it's, it's very challenging in churches because churches are probably good for that more than anybody else. Churches like to tell you this is the way we've always done it. 
I don't know if you all haven't realized by now that God has called this church to be non-traditional. I don't know if you picked up on that. We are doing some things, yes, that are traditional, but we do a lot of things in this church that is really not traditional from what you probably was used to 25 years ago, 30 years ago. It's a little bit different now. And so we're doing things. This is why I said we, God has called us to establish a 21st century apostolic church. We're not changing the word. We can't change the word. We can't change the doctrine. We can't change all of those things that are written, but we certainly can use some different methods of how we carry the gospel forward, of how we help people to know Christ. We certainly can use some different methods of how we reach the laws. We cannot change the word. We cannot change the doctrine, but we certainly can do some things differently. And we have and we will continue to. We're not the traditional church that you have been accustomed to. Uh, well, some of you have been accustomed to way back when. So some of us just resist the change. We get uncomfortable. Y- y'all sure y'all right with that? Y'all sure y'all doing right over there with that? I don't know about all that. Some people just become afraid of change because you think that change is going to lead you. Listen. I appreciate uh, um, Brother Kellyman. I'm always appreciative of Brother Kellyman being here because he knows the word of God and many of you know the word of God. And I say that just to say, just worry when I'm starting to tell you something different about the word. That's when you get concerned. But if, if I stay in the lines of the word of God and I continue to minister to you and teach you the word of God, when I give you something that is not traditional, just say, you know what, God is doing something in this church. And, and just go with the flow and be a part of it instead of saying, well, I don't know about all that because I ain't never did that before. How you going to grow? And equipping, listen to me, and equipping pastor and church leaders must be focused on the growth and development of people. So I feel like, you can tell me if I'm wrong later on, we can't talk while I'm talking, but you can tell me later on. I feel like people are challenging this church. You've heard me say this before. If you just want to come to church and sit on the pew and chill, you're not going to stay at this church long. I've not said that many times. You know why I say that? Because I know that God has called me to equip people so their life can be changed. And a lot of people don't want to be changed. I know that. That's what this church is about. This church is about, I care about your life, about you growing, about you having a relationship with Christ that you can navigate. Check my track record. Every person that I've ever taught a Bible study that they got saved and started living for God, they will tell you, I didn't try to be bigger to them than God. I didn't try to control their life. I didn't try to tell them everything they needed to do. No, as soon as they could run on their own, I made them run on their own because it was never about me and them coming to me for everything. It was about Jesus Christ, and that's who will empower their life to change. So my job and the leadership job of this church should be to help people's life changed. That's what we're supposed to be concerned with. I am not concerned with how many people come to this building and pack this place out and how much money get put in the offering plate. I am not concerned with that. I'm concerned with your personal individual growth and development. That's what I want for your life. 
not you coming, putting money in the offering. I need to see God working in your life so your children could be blessed, so your family could be blessed, and so God can do a work in you. That's what this church is about. Unfortunately, there's so many traditional people that are still at the place of, I just want to go and hear a good word. So when I preach the way that I preach, ah, we might not get them back for a couple of weeks because they've been challenged. And they don't want to be challenged. They want to just hear a good word, feel good for the moment, and catch me next week. Just tell you the gospel. Tell you how it goes. So hence, equipping pastors and church leaders seek to excel in areas of helping people change. That's what we're all about. I want, this, this is why, Sister Sharon, you, you, you think I'm just giddy over Matthew going to uh, Columbia every time I talk to her. I said, man, I'm just so excited about Matthew going to Columbia because I know his life is going to never be the same. You don't understand. You get a degree from, from, from one of our great institutions of learning. Man, your life is never the same. So he's getting ready. He's, he's now embarking upon things that will change his life forever educationally, intellectually, and so many other ways. I love to see people's life being impacted where they're changed and they're growing and they're excelling and then they can help bring somebody else along. That's what this is about. It's not about coming to the building, sitting on the pew and hearing a good word and putting your money in the basket and going home. That's not what it's about. Heavy stuff. While no one can make someone else change, a person can assist others with the process of change. So start, starting with me, I hope that all the leaders of this church will take on that same attitude that you want to see people change. That we're not in this to make ourselves important. Because there are some people that they want a following, a following makes you, I guess, important because people are following you. I'm not interested in that, and I hope nobody that's leading in this church is interesting, interested in the following. No, we don't care about that. We care about people's life being impacted. Then you have the other thing, tradition. Some churches, what they like to do, they like to shout. Y'all don't want to mess with me. I got too much of this stuff in me. This is not even preaching. This is just stuff that's in me that's flowing out of me. So, so their churches, their tradition is, we'll, they like to shout. And so, Sister Karen, there are some people that they shouted, they, they were the best shouters, and they're not in church today. Shouting don't keep you in church. If you come every Sunday and the praise and worship sing real good and the musicians play real good and the songs are real good, that's great. But that's not keeping you in church. Yes, we need to praise God. Yes, we need to worship God. The Bible tells us that in songs and dance and, and the timbrel and harp and string instruments. Yes, the scriptures tell us that. But that's not what's going to keep us. So don't let that be a main priority in your life that, oh, I got to get my shadow on today. <laughs> I hope I'm helping somebody in here today. Ultimately, the pastor and the church leaders should desire for people to learn Christ, understand his ways, clothe themselves with the mind of Christ. 
Philippians 2 and 5 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. I don't know if I said it up here or in a, in a class. Servant is an underrated position. We have no clue what being a servant is like. I think I was talking to Sister Patrice about this. When you serve in the temple, when you serve in, 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 in a capacity where there are, uh, I don't know, high-ranking officials that do certain things, you think you're going to serve and not see and learn some things? You think, you think you're going to serve as a servant and not learn some things? Oh, here we go, scripture coming to my mind. Thank you, Holy Ghost. David was Saul's servant. Y'all, maybe I'm just excited by myself. God, God had chosen David to be king, and God brought David in to the kingdom stealthily. You're going to serve the king. Because serving is so underrated, but we look down on serving. We don't think by serving we grow. We don't think by serving God will elevate and do great things through us. We think we just got to get a position and then we will be special. And then we'll be somebody. And then we'll have impact because we got a position. No, that's not what God says. If we will serve and do it with a right spirit and do it with a good heart, serve the Lord with gladness. It's when you serve that God will allow you to pick up on stuff. Oh, man, in my old church, you can't name a job I didn't do. Poor little old me didn't know what God was setting me up to do. But he made sure he took me in the church and he was allowing me to do every kind of job. You name me something that I don't know because I'm trying to think what I never did. Every once in a while I sit back and I say, what didn't I do in the church? Servant. He started that servant thing before I got in the church. He, he took me in the restaurant business and made me a server. And so he was just slick, slicker than can be. He figured he knows me better than I know myself. So the Lord figured if I get you to be a good waiter in a restaurant, you're not going to fuss. You're not going to have no problems when I put you in the church and make you serve. You're not going to have no problems then. Maybe if I never worked in the restaurant business, went to church, I might have been a complainer. Why we got to do this? Why we got to do that? But the Lord just fixed that up real good. He says, I'm going to make you a servant. While you were out in the world, I was preparing you for my kingdom. And I had no clue. No clue. No clue. Got in the church. Tell me what you need me to do. Because in my mind, I was serving people out there in the restaurant business for money. And now I know the king of kings, the lord of lords, the one that keeps breath in my lungs. Oh, I'm going to serve him with all my heart. And everything I did in the church, I did it unto the Lord. Never unto man, because I was serving for man in the restaurant business. But when I came in the kingdom of God, I served the Lord Jesus. Him did I serve. It didn't matter how it looked. Because serving God looks like you're serving man. And nobody wants to deal with that part. Serving God looks like you're serving man. And so we, we, we don't want to take on that, 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 that kind of, you know, uh, identity because we don't want to look like no, as they used to say back in my day, we don't want to look like no flunky, Brother Ed. So we're not serving nobody because I ain't going to be nobody's flunky. 
I was never nobody's flunky out in the world. Well, I'm going to come to church and be a flunky. And so you missed it. Because you're still in a worldly mentality. You're not functioning by the word of God and by the spirit of God. But I'll be God's flunky. That's what I am. Call me God's flunky. I got him. Our goal cannot just be to learn the word of God only. We must also do whatever is necessary to be changed, transformed by the word of God. Listen to this. 2 Timothy 3 and 7 says this. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. A lot of people learning. A lot of people hearing the word of God. I told y'all, I tell y'all all the time, I'm not no brilliant preacher that can just come up here and just start preaching just off the top of my head unless the Holy Ghost is working through me and just speaking word. That's not me. I don't have the gyration and all that stuff to preach to you that, you know, the singing thing and all that. I don't have that. All I can do is preach to you the word of God. So if you're in this church, you're learning something. The question is, have you come or have you been able to come to the knowledge of the truth? Our goal should not just be to be informative, but we must also be transformative. I believe this was the goal of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he didn't just come to inform us, but he came to inform and transform us. It is important that we ask ourselves, hear me now, it is important that we ask ourselves, are we changing Are we growing and developing? If not, then why? What must we do differently in order to help growth and development in our own lives and in the lives of others to be effective saints of God? We got to ask ourselves those things. We don't want to ask any questions. I'm going to help you with that. Usually, it's when one sees the need to change Will he or she change? If a person does not see the need for change, no amount of words or coercion will be able to generate lasting change. And so, a lot of times I'm ministering or the preacher is ministering and we're saying good word. But it's not provoking change. It's not convicting us to change. But it's a good word. Because really we don't see the need. I pray. I read my Bible. I go to the house of God and worship. I give my tithes and offering. And so we feel like I'm good. I don't need to change. Change will happen when we ask questions. Not when we seek answers. You hear me? Change will happen when we ask questions, not when we seek answers. I'm going to help you. Are we moving forward? In an interview with Time, Eric Schmidt, who serves as CEO of Google at the time, said, we run this company on questions, not answers. We run this company on questions, not answers. 
We always looking for answers. We always looking for answers. I think sometimes God don't answer us because that's all we're, we get caught up in answers. And that's why, uh, help me Holy Ghost, sometimes we run from here to there to this preacher and that preacher, go online to this, go online to that, because we're looking for answers. This is why we're all over the place, because we're trying to go where we can get answers. And probably the better uh, uh, way to go is, is ask questions. Within the culture of many churches, here we go now, within the culture of many churches is the notion that questioning things is viewed as a lack of submission to the spiritual authority. Yes. I like to tease y'all a little bit. We have our leadership meeting virtually every second and every fourth. Every second and every fourth uh, Thursday. And we kick it around. We have our leadership um, 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 get together before we have church service. And, and, and everybody get to speak freely. Man, I want to send you all to some other churches so you all can go see if that's normal. Just, just, y'all, just, y'all, you know, but it's like anything else. We like to take stuff for granted. Man, you know what I mean? Churches that you, 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 maybe about two or three voices get heard in that church. A lot of churches, only two or three voices get heard. The pastor, the pastor's wife, and maybe a good minister. Three voices. Ain't a whole lot of voices. But the bottom line is, we, we allow every voice in this church to speak. Because we are not afraid of anything, and we're not trying to do anything that, that's hidden you know, behind closed doors. We're not doing anything in a corner. This is the kingdom of God. You can ask whatever you want and we will do our very best to answer them because we don't have anything to hide. This is the kingdom of God. It ain't man's kingdom. It's God's kingdom. And so we allow anybody to talk. It's okay. Now, trust me, it gets crazy sometimes, but I'm okay. I'm not, I know, I know some, um, I know some leaders they let you talk, and then when you start asking questions and things get heated, they stop having meetings. I've been around a little bit. I've seen some stuff. They let you talk, and when you start asking hard questions, they say, we're not going to have the meeting this week. Wimp. Wimp. Come on, man. This is God's kingdom. You don't have to worry about it. Let them ask the hard questions. If you're not hiding anything, then what is so hard about it? Answer it or say, well, you know, I don't know the answer to that. What are you hiding about? <laughs> However, it is necessary not, it is not necessarily true that asking questions is a lack of submission to spiritual authority. No, it's not. Without the use of questions, people remain in a state of learning without change that's stick. Now, don't get it twisted. There are people that ask questions and they have the wrong motive. It's ungodly. But you got to deal with that too. Because I've learned, here we go, I've learned that God can use anything to keep us going and staying on the right track. And so people can have wrong motive and ask questions out of wrong motives. I'm not backing down from that. Sometimes I don't even have an answer because it's not worth an answer, but I'm not going to be, you know, be afraid of answering people's questions that have wrong motives. That's on, that's on you if you got the wrong motive. 
That's on you if you're trying to prove something that's not legitimate. You know, because people are asking questions because they don't want to do what the Bible says. I was talking to a good friend of mine that calls me her mentor. And I was telling her yesterday, well, was it yesterday or today? I don't know. Yesterday or today. And I was telling her, I said, because I got to keep saying this, sis, a lot of people, unfortunately, that we know, a lot of people that we know came into the church and just started following what they saw. They even had a little bit of scripture that says it, but they, but they never really dug into it to get the full meaning for themselves. And so they were doing things that uh, everybody does it, and I can tell probably it's right. And then as time went on and the very people that used to do the things that you were looking at stopped doing it, you start saying, well, maybe it wasn't necessary. They're not doing it anymore. And the only reason why you're there that they're not doing it anymore is because you never really stop and learn what was scripture and what was standards. You heard me talk about it the other day. A standard in most churches, apostolic church, a standard is if you're going to date, it's best if you get a chaperone so you don't do something tempted to do something that you shouldn't. That's the standard. Now, the Bible says it's not good for a man to touch. So, you know, as long as you're not touching and we say get a chaperone, it's a standard. This is not a standard. A woman should not wear what's pertaining to a man. And a man should not wear what's pertaining to a woman. That's not standard. That's doctrine. And then we get, now we, but, but you know, when, when, when we tell them that, you know what they say? Well, you know, there's a certain kind of material. They don't question, they don't question, give and it shall be given unto you. You never heard anybody question, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, press down, chain to get it running over. They never question, if you need a healing, come down, we're going to pray. They don't question that. They don't even know where the scripture is that tells you if you're sick in the body, call for the elders of the church to come and anoint you and pray. They don't even know that, but they still come anyway. And as soon as you say, woman should not wear what's pertaining to a man, man should not wear what's pertaining. Well, the material and how it's cut is different. Okay. Okay. I don't know what to tell them. I just said, if that's what make you feel good, let's keep it moving. Because no sense of talking about it. Because you don't. And here's the other thing that I said to the person I was talking to the other day. I said, here's a little secret. A little secret. Anytime you question and compromise any of the word, you will do some more of it. I said, sis. When you start to question the dress code, what God says, you're going to question the baptism sooner or later. You're going to question the Holy Ghost sooner or later because you started compromising on one truth. You compromise one truth and you can compromise a whole lot of truth. The sis was like, hmm, got the sis attention because that's how it worked. And we don't realize that's how it worked. You question and compromise one truth because that's the one truth you didn't want to follow. You question that one and compromise it, try to figure out how to, you know, sliver your way around it. And sooner or later, you're going to be saying it's not important to be baptized in Jesus' name. Sooner or later, you're going to be saying, well, it's not important that you speak with tongues when you have the Holy Ghost. Oh, really? 
But it all started because you did not want to come, because you wanted to wear what you wanted to wear and not what God says. It started with that. And, and, and so you got your way with that. You, well, so you think you got your way with that. And all of a sudden now you're starting to go to a church that don't believe in Jesus' name baptism. A church that don't believe in being baptized with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. A church that don't believe in holiness. And so guess what? You know how you ended up there? Because you compromised just this thing that was small to you. What's the big deal in wearing this and wearing that? Uh, what's wrong with just wearing what you want? I thought the Bible, some things is just easy, but I don't have time to go through it. Because I thought the Bible says that he purchased us with his own blood. That we don't belong to ourselves, that we belong to him. How about, ladies and gentlemen, when we get dressed every day, we get dressed and say, Jesus, this is for you. Whatever, I don't care how you dress. When you get dressed, just go and say, Jesus, I'm dressed for you. And see if one day when you're inappropriate, if he don't convict you. He will convict you. It's just up to you if you're going to listen to him. But he will convict you. That's why I'm saying that to you. Get dressed and go to him. Lord, here I am. I'm dressed for you. I'm going out there to let my light shine. And I want to be salt and I want to be light. I'm going out there for you, Lord. Am I dressed appropriately? And the day you're not, he's going to convict you. Then it'll be up to you what you do from there. But I'm just telling you. But we don't do that. We dress how we like. And, and we, we, we make sure. And we know, we know what we're doing. 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 Come on, man. I don't like, I don't like when, when, when saints of God try to play me like I, wasn't, like I grew up in a church. I didn't grow up in a church. When you're not a Christian, I'll say it afterwards. When you're not a Christian, you get dressed according to the standards of the world and what you want people to think of you. When you're not a Christian. Unfortunately, that crept up on some Christians. But don't tell me nothing. Brother Cal, I remember when I was out in the world, I had me some Fendi shades. You know, Fendi, Fendi. Brother Cal, I'm going to the clubs 11 o'clock at night. Guess what? I got the shades on. I thought shades were made for when the sun was shining. And you're trying to keep the, you know, light out your eyes. No, 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 no. When I had hair, I went to get my hair cut tight. And put my Fendi glasses on and, you know, whatever else I got tight. Walk up in the club at a certain time. Because you got to look at me. That ain't just me. That's how everybody did. And now you want to come tell me, oh, I didn't realize what I had on. Or I didn't, you know, no big deal. You really think that. Okay. All right. So when people try to run that game, I just say, okay, because I know better. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm, I'm not like um, um, Janice and Ethan and who else? Peyton and Jordan and. All these people, Gabby and all them, that y'all came out the womb in church. That wasn't me. That wasn't me. Teo and all y'all that, Bradley and all y'all came out the womb in church. That wasn't me. So you can't get nothing worldly past me. Because I was a bigger worldly than you. Can't touch me on what I used to be in the world compared to what you try to do in the world. Let's move on here. Jesus' questions made people think for themselves and examine their hearts. His use of questions helped 
stimulate learning as can be seen in Peter's disclosure of whom Jesus addressed in Matthew 16 and 13. Check it out. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Jesus asked his disciples, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, question again, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood, had not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, and I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. If Jesus didn't ask those two questions to Peter, Peter could have been walking around and says, I think he God manifest in the flesh. I think he God, yeah, he the Messiah. But a lot of times just having it in your mind, you are not confident that what you have in your mind is actually correct. So it's not until the question is asked and you got to give the answer that you will find out now what was in your mind, if it's correct or not. Jesus knew this. And that's what he did with his disciples and so many others. He asked questions. So here's the other thing. He had a plan, but before he could move forward, oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Before he could move forward with the plan that he had in mind, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatsoever you loose on earth shall be Before he moved forward with the plan, he needed to make sure you understood who he was. So what he was getting ready to say, you would understand that it's legit. He asked questions, but we don't like questions. When people ask us questions, sometimes we get a little irritated, right? But questions are important, and most of the times questions will make you better than getting answers. Ooh, 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 Tom's saying, come on, come on, because he's a teacher, and that's what just hit me. That's why he's saying it, because he can relate to it. So here's how it works. Remember, when I was in school, I don't know what they're doing now. The teachers would not accept your mathematics work if you couldn't show how you got to the answer. They was not taking the answer just on the side. They wanted you, when you did division, what we call it, do it the long way. Because I have to see how you arrive at the answer. Questions, questions, questions. And when you show them answering all the questions, what the answer is, then they know you learned it. Today, we just want answers, 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 and we don't learn a thing. You see why I'm saying questions are important? Because if you just get answers, you're not learning. But when questions come up and we answer them, then we learn something. (laughs) Help us, Holy Ghost. God is helping us tonight. If you will just let God help you, he's going to help you. Furthermore... Like the rabbis of the day, Jesus was clever in his use of questions. Matthew 22 and 20. And he said unto them, whose is the image and subscription? They say unto him, Caesar's. 
Then said he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God. So he asked questions so he can teach. So you know the wise. This is why I'm not afraid of the wise these days. Bring all the wise to me. If I can answer them, I will. If I can't, I will say I don't know the answer, but I'll try to get you the answer. Because the wise teach people. This is why we're probably living in the smartest generation ever. Man, this is something. This is good. Uh, this might not be good to you. It's good to me. We are living in the smartest generation ever. And, and it's not a coincidence that we're living right dead back in the middle of the Y generation. Isn't that something? Because they want to know. My generation and beyond, we were just like, just tell me what I got to do. I'll do whatever you want me to do. So we were doing stuff and had no clue, no reason to rhyme while we're doing it. We're just being obedient. And while they had some merit to it and that got some place, it wasn't the best way to go. You want to know why. Because when you know why, it means you're learning. I'm probably not going to finish this tonight. We learn by what we do. We learn by what we do. Watch this. Experts have studied and concluded that people learn more by what they do as opposed to what they hear, what they read, or what they see. Today, learning by doing is commonly referred to as experiential learning or action learning. So you learn by experience or by action? By doing, not by just hearing and seeing. Hearing and seeing helps, but there's nothing better than doing. Research discovered people generally remember 10% of what they read, 20% of what they hear, 30% of what they see. Here's mine. 50% of what they see. No, that wasn't mine. 50% of what they're hearing. Here's mine. 70% of what they say and write. That's me. So what I say and what I write is how I learn. So, so when I hear something, I have to write it down and then say it. And when I do those two things, I, I, I'm more effective. So that's it. 70%. But watch this. It's not the best. 90% of what we do is what we will know. 90%. So I still need to do a little bit more doing. People learn by doing. When a person, man, I need to go back to that. I need to go back to that. A lot of people aren't learning. They just have information because of this. You got information. You got a lot of information because you have this. Because this what we do with this, here is something that I discovered. This is interesting. Typing out on your phone is not the same like writing with a pen. Right, Sister Cook? It's not the same. I wish it was the same, and I kind of catch myself oftentimes. I know I'm trying to remember something, so I try to jot it down by typing it. Not the same like when you write it. When I write it, it just, I retain it better. And so many of us, we're just 
you know, using this for information, which means we're not retaining the information, which means we're not going to grow because all we are is filled with information, but we're not growing because we're not doing anything. Let me take a, let me, let me, let me take a little um, swipe at y'all um, millennium people. You take more pictures than you do do anything. Instead of you doing something, you you taking pictures. I I laugh at myself all the time and I tease Patrice all the time. I say, oh man, if I was you, Patrice, I would have took a picture. <laughs> because I can't remember to take pictures because I'm a doer. Let's do this. And so I'm looking to do something while he, hold on, let me take a picture. Oh, what are you talking about? And so we're taking so many pictures that we are just not doers. As much as we should. When a person is involved in doing, he or she increase the likelihood he or she will experience change that sticks. So if you want to experience change that will stick, that will work in your life, you have to start doing stuff. We come to church all the time and hear the preach word and we nod our heads and we say, that's true. Yes, you're right. That's good. Preach on preacher. But we don't leave and do it or we don't come to the altar and do it. And that's why we're not retaining what we're being taught and we're not changed because we're not doing. I hope I'm helping somebody. Perhaps this is why so many churches struggle with making disciples. The common approach is one in which a person receives instructions and more instructions and more instructions, but hearing only goes but so far. So many people come to the house of God and just keep hearing instructions, hearing instructions, hearing instructions, but hearing only goes but so far. I wish, oh my goodness, that something would happen. That when we hear, we will run down to the altar. This past Sunday, Sister Ebony, we learned something about one of the saints of God in this church. She's been, in, been coming to this church for about a month. Somebody told her about this church. No, no, no. She found this church on the internet. She's been coming for about a month. We didn't know anything about her. I'm trying to work my way in by just loving her and loving her children, talking to them. And this Sunday, she heard and she did. Vanessa heard and she did. And because Ebony heard and did, God just moved on her. And I'm sure she experienced a change. We started talking to Ebony and we said, like, so where are you from? Blah, 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 blah. Ebony says, my daddy was an apostolic minister. He led us through the word of God. I was I repented of my sins. I was baptized in Jesus' name. I was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. But things have just been so challenging for her. But the word came through Sunday, and she did. She didn't just hear, but she did. And I'm telling you, church, we got to stop just hearing. We got to do and stop worrying about what people think about us. Ah, I think that if we don't be careful, God is going to have to do some crazy stuff in our life or allow some crazy stuff to come in our life where we will have to run 
run to this altar because we don't run to the altar enough. We hear the word and we nod. We just don't run to the altar enough. And it's not until we run to the altar, do something about what we just heard, will we experience change. That's how we're going to experience change. When we come to the altar after we hear the word. We're not going to experience change by keep on nodding our heads and keep on agreeing because that's the word. Hearing the word is not enough. We have to hear it and do it. James already told us that. That we can't just be hearers of the word, but we must be hearers and doers of the word. I'm going to stop right there because I got some more to say and I'm not going to keep you here all night long. But we have to start doing that. If we're going to make disciples, if we're going to reach people... We need to start being hearers and doers of the word. We need to practice the word of God. We need to do what we have heard, what we've been instructed to do. We need to do it. We have to come out of that old adage because we're so concerned about uh, uh, if we go to the altar, what people may think about us. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? We need to run to the altar like our hair is on fire because we want to be changed. We are not where, we, where we're going to stay for the rest of our Christian walk. You are not where God wants you to stay for the rest of your Christian walk. So you can rest assured that where you are today is not where God wants you to remain. Yes, he might want you to remain in the body of Christ. Yes, in that that the house of God that we come to, but where we are spiritually, where we are as, as a saint of God, that's not where God wants us to remain. He wants us to move forward. He wants us to grow. He wants us to become doers of his word and not just hearers only. And that's what I'm challenging this church to come to the place of receiving and saying, I want to be changed. I'm not satisfied. You're not too old to change. You're not too young to change. You're not too middle-aged to change. We all can change if we will put it in the hands of God and respond to God's word. We can be changed. There's no such thing in God you can't teach an old dog new trick. No such thing. No such thing. With God's help, you can do the impossible. But it comes down to doing and not just keep hearing. We have to come out of our comfort zone. Every, many of us, we just do the same thing over and over again. And, and, and that will never allow us to change. Yes, do we still keep coming to church? Yeah, we need to come and, and, and interact and fellowship. Yes, we need to do that. Yes, do we need to keep praying? Yes, do we need to, Yes, but we need to do what the preach word says when we come in. On Bible study night, on Sunday mornings, we need to do what the preach word says. Because when we do what the preach word says, we're going to see change. Let's stand. I don't know if I got through. Don't know if I got through. But like I'll tell all the young preachers, you better make sure if you answer the call of God, it's God's call that you're answering. Because Mama Trump's, this thing ain't no joke. Pastor Nelly's always say that. I'm not saying not to discourage anybody. I don't want to discourage you because I want, you know me, I'm about church planting. I'm about um, building people up and sending people out. I want to do that. But what I do know is this. In order to go, you got to know it's of God or your pastor sent you. Nobody want to hear that part. 
Because if your pastor sent you, you can go back to him and say, I'm worn out, I can't do it. And the pastor will say, okay, no problem, and send somebody else. God honors that because we're just trying to do the work of God. So either you know you got a call of God or your pastor sent you. Those are the two reasons why you go and go do the work of God out there when you're talking about planting churches, raising up preaching points, doing daughter churches. Your pastor sent you or God called you. Your pastor can send you. It's okay. God honors that. And that don't mean you're going to pass in the place, the church, all, 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 all the days of your life. It just means you're doing a work for God and your pastor believes you're capable of doing it. That's why he sent you. I started two churches before I started Christ Center Church. My pastor believed I was capable and he sent me. Now, when God called me to start Christ Center Church, that was God that sent me to do that. But the two churches that I started before, I started them. I started them. God didn't tell me to go start them, but I started them. My pastor told me to go. So your pastor can send you. You can go do it. And, and, and then you can, uh, God can send you, you can go do it. But the bottom line is, we need to become doers of God's word and not just hear it. And not just talk about it. I remember when um, Brother White, he always tell this story. Um, we were evangelizing, walking the community, knocking on doors, giving out tracts, talking to people about the Lord. And he knocked on the door. He was new in the church. He knocked on the door and two guys was in the house. They had a um, kerosene heater going, sitting back doing nothing on the couch. They said, come on in, man. Brother White going there. He's sitting on the couch with them and they talking about nothing. So I looked around because I was leaving the evangelism to you. I looked around and said, where's Brother White? They said, I think he went to that house. Went to the house. I said, I listened listened to their conversation. I said, what are we not talking about, Jesus? Well, they were, I said, we're not talking about Jesus? Huh? I said, let's go. We're not talking about Jesus here. We're wasting time. There's somebody down the road that want to talk about Jesus. So let's get out of this house that don't want to talk about Jesus and go to the next house because they want to talk about Jesus. He's still telling that story till this day. I was hot. Not hot with him, but hot that the devil was using those people to hold him up because he had a word for people. And so he going down the road to give them the word, but these knucklehead dudes, they didn't want no word, but they were just trying to hold him up. I said, this is nothing but the devil trying to hold my man up, and and he got a word to go tell somebody down the street. I say that just to say, God wants to use you to do great things, but if you don't do something, you can't grow, and God can't send you and use you the way he wants to. You don't have to be afraid of what God wants to do in your life. God don't call nobody to do anything that he doesn't equip to do what he's calling them to do. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for your goodness tonight. Lord, I pray that the word that has gone forth tonight will take a grip in our heart, that it will go deep down in our soul, in our spirit, Lord, and that it will begin to sprout roots, Lord God, and begin to germinate, Lord God, that it will begin to grow, Lord God, and come out from under the ground and up to the surface and begin to grow into a fruitful tree, Lord God. Lord, we just don't want to come into the house of God and learn the word, hear the word, but do not do what the word says. I pray a spirit of boldness, a love for you upon the people in this church, that God, we will respond to your word out of love. We will respond to your word, Lord God, with boldness and courage, Lord God, because we 
want to see change first in us. We want to see change secondly in others and thirdly in our world, Lord God. We want to see the will of God be done. We want to see the kingdom of God expand and manifest. And so God, I pray tonight in the name of Jesus that somebody will take a hold of what they've heard here tonight and not let it go and let it become fruitful in their life, Almighty God. I pray that you will stir up the gift inside of us, Lord God, and that, Lord, we will be the instruments and conduits of God that you have called us to be. I pray that you will help us, Lord God, that we will truly, Lord God, move forward in you and begin to do things like we've never done. Begin to do things like we've never seen, Lord God, because it will be you that's working in us. It will be you that's speaking through us. It will be you that's influencing all of our deeds and actions, Lord God. I pray tonight in the name of Jesus that you will do such a great work in this church, Lord God, that, Lord, we will make it all about you. No pride, Lord God, will grip us. Oh, God, nothing, Lord God, that will prevent us from moving forward in you and doing what you want us to do. I pray for myself and every person in this church that when the word speaks to us, that, Lord, we will do what the word says and not just neglect and overlook and just let it sit dormant in our mind, but we will become doers of your word, Lord God, so we can grow and be the people of God that you've called us to be. Lord, we want to see revival in Hamilton, in all the surrounding communities in Hamilton, and across, oh God, Mercer County, and throughout all the counties in New Jersey. We want to be used by you, Lord God, to stir up, and Lord, to start a fire of revival that will burn uncontrollably throughout this state, Lord. Have your way, Lord Jesus. Let your glory, Lord God, be seen in New Jersey because the people have decided that they want to be a part, that they want to be used of you for your glory. Have your way tonight, Lord, that we will not leave this place the same, but God, there will be a work that you will be doing inside of us, that it will come out, Lord God. Oh, we want that work to be shown, to be seen. Help us, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, to move on us in a special way as we give you the praise and the honor. There is none like you, Jesus. Blessed be your name, Lord. Blessed be your name, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Let somebody in the house of God thank the Lord tonight and just give him some honor in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. I love you, church. I'm just trying to do the best that I can to help you be who God called you to be. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your evening.